The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome back to the program Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. On the line with me today is my good friend Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. He is the president of the American Policy Roundtable, a policy expert for 42 years. This man has studied and devoted himself to understanding the law and the policies of this country that I believe has made this country great. Uh, and it's not a perfect country. We all know that, but it is a great country. So Dave Zanotti, uh, we have asked you uh, to be on this program today because we need your thoughts about last night when uh, the former president of the United States residence in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, was raided. Uh, first of all, let me just officially welcome you to our program today, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. And I'm going to spill some beans in advance to let the listeners across this wonderful network know that the ownership and the key staff in the station were up last night watching the news, praying for our country. And we started a text communication back and forth of concern for America. And so as we were praying for America, we said, let's talk and let's not wait. Let's get right on this. And I want people to know that when you support this this network of stations, you're supporting people who really care about the kingdom of God and about this nation. And so it's a delight to be with you. I'm happy to do it. Well, you know, I uh, accidentally took credit for having you on, but I, I, we had actually talked about it. Uh, in fact, when you texted me last night, uh, I was on the phone with the owner of the station, and we were talking, <laughs> and I had uttered the name Dave Zanotti. He said, well, the person that I would like to have on is Dave Zanotti, and he, there's just nobody I trust more. There's nobody that I think has more to say on these kind of issues than Dave Zanotti. And it was not literally, uh, it was not 30 seconds and I get a text from you saying, hey, want to talk? So <laughs> it's, it's just crazy how that happens, man. So I do agree. I think the Lord is is in it. Uh, he's in this discussion. Certainly, he has this nation in mind. And we've been the recipient as a nation of his blessing. Whether or not people recognize that, it's common grace to many people. But we have benefited from the blessing of God on this country Again, not a perfect country. We all know that. We've made our mistakes, continue to make them. But uh, last night, and so here's my first question. If I can just get this started by throwing a big question right at you, right between the eyes, man, here it comes. Mm -hmm. Are we, as the United States, in a constitutional crisis? Great question. The answer is no. We are in a political partisan temper tantrum. Wow. Now, I have to say, that is not quite the answer that I would have expected, but now I am doubly intrigued. <laughs> what we have here is the manifestation of adolescent behavior, which is really what drives factionalism, the selfishness of adolescence, 
the desire that says, I want mine and I want it now. And I don't care about the impact of anyone else because I'm myopic. I'm only looking at me. Uh, and that's what's really happening in our country right now. We have lost the decorum yes. of the common good. We have lost respect for humans as unique creations of God. We have lost our respect and the required respect to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and to recognize that I'm to treat other people the way that I would want to be treated. This is across the board. And what you're seeing is it's manifested in what happened last night. Now, let me get to some of the, the questions, Mike, that I think we need to be um, asking in this regard. The first, so, so that we, we set this up correctly, there's a series of questions that are very important here that we're not going to be able to answer in the hour we have to spend together. But, and I can't tell you how long it will take to get the answers, but it's not long and they will come out. The first question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is in the affidavit that the FBI took to the court? Right. What are they claiming is in those boxes? We need to know what is in the boxes that they're looking for. That's a fair question. And they would have had to have revealed that to a judge. What's in there? What is it that they want? Uh, so that, that's the first thing. Now we've got to ask ourselves, what's in the search warrant? So what's in the affidavit, what's in the search warrant, and who is the judge? Those are the things we have to get first because we have seen the FBI misbehave in the last 10 years in ways no one ever would have dreamed of. Mm -hmm. It used to be a weekly, uh, weekly television program on the FBI with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. I remember and, it. And, <laughs> remember that? Yes. And in, in, in essence, the FBI was the paragon of American virtue and law enforcement, of respect for the law, respect for the individual, even respect for the rights of criminals. But the bad guys were the bad guys, and the happy ending was that the bad guys always got caught and, and that this was the, the notion. So we need to know what the FBI has done and who's the judge that gave them the authority to do what they did last night. Now, there's another big question that's got to come up, and that's who's really pulling the strings here. I want to ask you, just between us, do you think uh, that Joe Biden is capable of orchestrating the strategy at this level? Absolutely not. I don't think that at all. I have my serious doubts as well. And so we know that Ron Klain is his chief of staff. Ron Klain is a former trustee, a board member of the Center for American Progress, founded by John Podesta, who's been in every White House since uh, the Clinton administration, and who's been the chief of staff of the last uh, three uh, terms of office where Democrats have been in presidents. There's been, John Podesta's been there. Um, and now John Podesta's friend, Ron Klain, is there. And so I want to ask what role does the Center for American Progress and George Soros have in the strategy? Who is calling the strategy? Because this is a strategic deployment. The United States government, the National Archives, are concerned that there are boxes. We've heard this 15 boxes. And let's, well, that may not be what it is exactly. We're guessing we're only got media reports. Whatever it is they're after. Whatever the boxes or the materials that they are after that were in the White House, most likely in the private residence or in the Oval Office, whatever that is that they think now are at Mar-a-Lago, 
who decided to stop negotiating behind closed doors and decide to make this a public event? Right. Who made that call? Well, do you think we'll ever know the answer to that? Oh, we have to know the answer to that. Because just like the National Archives uh, ha- are talking about the preservation of records and that that's a law that says we have to preserve those records, all of these decisions that were made are also a part of the public records. We will have to know. We uh-huh. will have to know. It's going to take time. But you see, what you do on one side is going to come back on the other. You will reap what you sow in this regard, not changing the laws, mm-hmm. not looking for revenge, just talking about equal justice under the law. So the biggest and the biggest question I have is what's in the box and who made the decision to go public with this form of investigation? Because all of this could have done, been done privately. All of this could have happened with a car driving to Mar-a-Lago with uh, agents and lawyers and the, and the Trump lawyers meeting those people and inviting them to the house. Now, all of this could have been done and no one ever known about it because while it is a public matter and that the National Archive is owned by the taxpayers of the United States, let's remember that the National Archives, which houses presidential records, is owned by the people right. of the United States. We the people. That we the people, if 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 the National Archives was that concerned, then they've got forever to get these documents. They've got forever to get these documents. This is not an uncommon conversation. You know, the, the Hillary Clinton had a very large conversation during her term as Secretary of State about a server which was housed in one of her homes, which was dealing with classified information off property and technically illegally uh, for quite some time. Now, that document set of situation never turned into a raid, right. it never turned into a seizure of assets. It was a debated matter. It became public, but nobody came charging into Hillary Clinton's home uh, with sirens uh, and, and, and flashers and news media. And, and so uh, what I'm asking is, this is not an uncommon. Uh, people have talked last night on media about Sandy Berger, a former member of the Clinton administration, mm-hmm. and what he went through in absconding documents. I mean, he got flat out caught with stuff stuck down his pants and in his socks. Right? You didn't have the FBI hauling him off in cuffs. So here we have a former president of the United States, and not real former, like as in a couple of years ago, right? who is a potential candidate for the next election being uh, basically made a public spectacle of and treated as if uh, we're dealing with uh, you know whitey bulger or some 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 mob figure with 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 guns out and blaring so to speak and you ask yourself why over boxes of information what do you think's in there the nuclear codes what do you think's in there like the, the uh, i mean you you can't even fathom i mean <laughs> What if we find out that the, I mean, no no matter what this is, it's paper. What is to keep unscrupulous people, Dave, from, let's say, planting things in evidence that they say they found at Mar-a-Lago? Well, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, how would you know anyways? 
Um, and of course, now that brings in the question of the urgency of the court, because part of what the FBI would have had to present is that a threat that these records, which are required by law, would be lost or stolen or somehow not reach the people's interest in the National Archive. So your, your, your question is quite well placed, Mike. And the answer to that is, well, there's no sense of knowing. So they go in with sirens raging and guns yeah. blazing uh, to make sure that the people's interests are protected. Uh, and exactly those interests. I mean, I, I, and of course, you scan the media. And the media is in a, in a, is in a really fun place uh, because, you know, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the people that are always supposed to be in the know ahead of the game, CNN at all. They're, they're scouring desperately for leaks so that they can tell you what's supposed to be in the box that's missing or what the boxes are that they're looking for. And all that. So they got nothing. And so they're just basically speculating until uh, all day long. But if you think about this, and if you're, if you, let's say you and I were the judge and the FBI came to us, what are some of the logical questions we'd ask? Like, okay, why now? What's, what's the custody chain on these alleged boxes that you're looking for? Where were they when the president was the president? when he had the authority to declassify them if he so chose. Where were they and, and what were they, what was in them? So when did they go missing? Mm -hmm. And why do you think they're at Mar-a-Lago? What evidence do you have that they went to Mar-a-Lago? And if you had the evidence that they went to Mar-a-Lago, why didn't you intervene earlier? Or you have intervened, you've been in negotiations. How are the negotiations going? Why have the negotiations broken down? Why do we need to make a public spectacle to the world of this? Because over and over again, last night and this morning, we're hearing the terms banana republic over and over again. I'm guessing that the stock and well, that company or its conglomerate is probably going up as well today. I, because, I wish I owned uh, the uh, copyright for that phrase yeah, right now, man. It, it's, it's, it's the hot word. And it, the reality, Mike, is that we're, this, is, this is the kind of behavior that would, you would see in a very poorly run, poorly managed company or country. And we look that way. But there's another piece to it. And that's the national security piece. Uh, and this is something that I think people need to pray about uh, desperately today mm -hmm. for God's mercy and protection, because the enemies of America are watching. And you, you, you really, I don't know that you could have greater evidence of a country divided against itself irreconcilably, irreconcilably and a, a political process that is collapsing. Yes. Then to do what the Biden administration did last night with what Merrick Garland did. Can you imagine Merrick Garland was supposed to be someone that we thought was qualified to be on the United States Supreme Court? Yeah. Oh, this man. kind of reactionary partisan um, uh, initiative and, and to expose the entire world to a, a what looks on the outside. The optic is pure political vengeance mm -hmm. or that in essence donald trump is a total and complete fraud and now is to be treated like a common criminal uh while he is perhaps in pursuit of the white house a second time mm -hmm. we've never treated a president of the united states like this richard nixon was guilty of some pretty bad stuff in regards to cover-up and he got to fly out of washington dc on white house uh, on, the, on, on on marine one yes. on the helicopter yes on the helicopter and he was impeached he was he was not convicted uh, but you think about this there's a, a a way you deal with this in regards to decorum to the world and every one of those thoughts went out the window last night mm-hmm
They really did, Dave. And, you know, when you go back to that phrase, Banana Republic, uh, it, it seems that this is not the first shooting match for this kind of behavior. We know they've raided other people for seemingly the same purpose, and and that's political vengeance. And even the headline, the first headline that I saw that uh, former President Trump came up with a, a statement was that he was being uh, a victim of political persecution. And that really does seem like a reasonable statement, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's just, uh, this is just absurd and bizarre behavior and uh, it it doesn't make sense from a legal perspective it does not make sense to air your dirty laundry to the world with sirens blaring and 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 flashing lights these are arguments over pieces of paper records uh, documents that the National Archives claims potentially, possibly, are missing. This is something that grown-ups solve by making sure we have access and conversation. And that is far more effectively done behind closed doors. I'm not suggesting that the process shouldn't be done. Now, unless unless people think that anyone on a Christian radio station or anyone in regards with a conversation that sounds conservative is a fan of Donald Trump. Like I, I'm, I am totally ambivalent personally about Donald Trump. Our organization does not make political endorsements ever. Well, hold so that thought endorsed. right there, Dave. I'm sure. up against a break and I don't want to make that short treatment on that statement right there. Okay, so we'll let's come, back, come back. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on the Shepherd Radio Network. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. On the line with me today, Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. We were talking at the end of segment one. Again, I had to kind of break in, but this thought that you were just coming up with that, you know, a lot of people may make that kind of a, a assumption that anytime they hear a conservative, that means that it is coming from a position uh, on talk radio, Christian radio, or any other type of program that would have conservatives on it, that it is a Republican based or a, a Donald Trump fan base. And that is exactly not what you guys are. It's not that uh, you're uh, against, uh, equally against it. It's just that you're truly in the middle on this thing, and you've done a great job of, of uh, I believe, maintaining objectivity throughout your career. Well, it's not, Mike, that we're in the middle of uh, uh, 
light, light, like what do they say? Uh, people in the middle of the road become roadkill. <laughs> it's, right. it's not. It's it's not that we don't have opinions, but what we've purposely done is placed ourselves in a nonpartisan lane that we can't get out of, and we're not going to get out of. Mm-hmm. And we and we've done that from the beginning because we actually do not believe that the political parties are in the best interests of our country. We're just not opposed to the Democrats and the Republicans. We're opposed to the very idea of permitting our country, our federal government, to be controlled by two competing factional interests. Now, I didn't learn this on my own. I knew it wasn't right when I got highly involved in this process over 40 years ago. But what I came to discover was that George Washington and John Adams both warned us to never let this happen. And we didn't take their advice. Uh, and, and it's highly unfortunate because for years we still we have read George Washington's farewell address um, on the floor of the Congress on the day of his, uh, uh, his birthday. I think we read it on the birthday of George Washington and um, or the day that he passed. I think it's the birthday we, we, we read the uh, farewell address. Um, but it's been read for for for, for decades now. Um, and, and yet, but we don't take the advice where he warned us to not let this country be divided like it's divided right now. And so parties do what parties do. They compete for power. They compete for control. And just in the recent years, we've seen that not only does this country have the power, the Congress has the power of uh, over $5 trillion in a budget on a regular annual basis. But they have now the ability to create 30, 40, 50 unlimited trillions of dollars of debt. And when you're playing with that much of other people's money, the, the, the power that's vested there is simply destructive. So we have forces that are competing at multiple levels of self-interest uh, that are now organized. And it's simply shirts and skins, red and blue. And, and America is always supposed to be red, white and blue. Mm. And we've lost that other component, that part that, makes the red and the blue serve the white the us and now i'm going to be accused of being racist yeah that's that's uh so so let's let let me explain it's the flag i'm talking about here it's the virtue that i'm talking about here we're supposed to be serving the common good there's supposed to be more than two colors in america Hmm. there's supposed to be an us that is bigger than the parts and we've lost that and we've lost that because the political parties compete for control. And then what they do now is to persecute their opponents mm-hmm. because they so desperately want the control uh, that that they have to get rid of the opposition. And that's always what totalitarian regimes do when, in fact, the totalitarian regime has, has begun to operate in the godless equation. And that's where we are. So we are nonpartisan because to be nonpartisan is to be for all of us. We, the people, somebody's right. got to hold that ground. So, no, this isn't a, a, a defense mechanism of Donald Trump. If anything, it's a defense mechanism for the world. You know, if we're an enemy of the United, if someone's an enemy of the United States and they're watching this process, there's never been a better time to take advantage of the division that we see right there on the television. And that is the point that you're bringing up about national security right now. Uh, Let's face it, America right now is caught up in such a distraction that, and and that's part, I believe, of the purpose for this. 
You know, if you can't do what's right, just baffle everybody with distractions and throw out, let, let's uh, let's throw out a major thing. Like uh, years ago, Clinton was accused of bombing an aspirin factory uh, just to kind of draw the heat off of the Lewinsky situation. So this kind of, these kind of moves are, have been talked about for years, but I don't believe anybody saw last night coming even the the most of the con, uh, conservative of the conservative talk shows uh, are yeah, expressing results. Surprise! Yeah, and I think it's because first off, it's never happened before, in the sense that that a former president, um, and you know, I, I know a lot of people hate Donald Trump. You know, and I feel bad for people who hate Donald Trump. I don't hate Joe Biden. I feel sorry for Joe Biden because he really shouldn't have the job that he's got simply because of the strain upon his health. I pray for him. I pray for his strength, and I pray God will help him. And that God will lead him and guide him. I don't hate Joe Biden. I, I, there's, I, there's no politician that I hate, regardless of how they've ever treated us. And I'll tell you, some of the people that have treated us wor- the worst in this country are Republicans. I won't name their names because they're not here to defend themselves. But we've been treated far more cruelly by Republicans and by Republican consultants than we ever have by Democrats mm-hmm. because of taking a Christian position. Um, and and, and that may come as a surprise to some people. Maybe someday we'll be able to tell some of those stories out loud, but I can tell you that our staff will attest to that fact. I don't hate those people. I'm not allowed to hate people because I have a Savior who's forgiven me, and I can't hold others. All right, so this is, this is how we enter the marketplace here. So what we saw happening last night offends our sense of justice because it looks like pure vengeance. Yeah, it, it also does. sends our it defends our sense of, of 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 simple intelligence and common sense because it seems like a political overkill, um, and then it causes us to be concerned about the us part of America, the we the people, because right now uh, the enemies of America have high motivation to take what they want in the world because America is so fractured and so 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 at war within itself. Why not take a country or two if you're out there? Um, you think that, that, I mean, Putin's not watching this laughing? You, you think that, that Xi in China isn't laughing about um, any comments that are being made about Taiwan in the midst of, of this kind of nonsense? There are people, oh, you think about South Korea saying, well, <laughs> I guess we can get back the missiles. I, and, and this is just, and, and that's not to include the smaller bit players who are radical terrorists yes. who are saying, what a great time to hit this country. This is, you know, we still live in a hostile world. And there, this, is a, this is a fallen world, and there is evil in this world. And this is red meat to America's adversaries. Mm-hmm. And I, I just not, it's not the sort of thing that presidential administrations that are looking out for us, all of us, should do, period. I can't find justification for this and i suppose you know you could take it as simply as this i could understand if the fbi got a tip that donald trump with scissors and flamethrower in hand was sitting at mar-a-lago beginning to destroy burn and torch documents Mm -hmm. that they would have to come flying in to protect the state interest for the National Archives. Well, I actually heard something very similar to that, that pictures have uh, emerged that someone has of people shredding documents from Mar-a-Lago. 
So that, that's, you know, I don't know how corroborated that report was, but there was like that, well, that's why it's urgent, because they're but down here's the, yeah, but, but here's the thing. Mar-a-Lago is a private residence. The president is a private citizen now. He can shred anything he darn well pleases under the presumption of innocence. Right. Until proven guilty. So to have come flying in there, and again, if if there's stuff missing, tell us what's missing. And then go get it. But here's the point. The president wasn't at Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. So were they presuming that his minions were there destroying documents? Yeah. So again, you, you, this, the, the, all of this, it, it, it just doesn't add up to being smart, intelligent, prudent, balanced behavior. And so this is one of those things where everybody looks bad and, and we as a country look bad. And when that happens... That's failed leadership across the board. Now, on that point, Dave, I've got a question because I think you've brought up the very valid point about looking bad. And it's not like we're wanting to be a country that wants only to look good. We want to do what's right and and be good in the right sense of that. But when you have uh, people like in uh, Australia right now, the news media in Australia is nightly shredding this administration because of their very actions. And it is almost as if no one in the Democratic Party and the Biden administration is aware of how foolish and how scary their actions are appearing on the national front. It's just, it's uh, to say it's bad optics would be a bit of a trivialization and understatement. Um, There is a sense that there is a, 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 a spirit of vengeance that is out of control in this country. It's now, blinded them, right? Yes. Now, I will tell you that that vengeance can go both ways. And this is one of the concerns that I have about the uh, pro-Trump political concerns in the movement. And, and the people have every right to back whoever they want to back. And, 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 and I appreciate people's passion. I respect that passion. But vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And that is an absolute principle that is never negotiable. The scripture says that we are to make room for God's wrath. I I told uh, some folks last night that that the best medicine is to read Psalm 37 and Psalm 73 before you go to bed. Oh, yes. Because those two psalms tell us that God is in charge of watching over everything. God is the one who keeps the scales of justice and righteousness and mercy balanced. Only he can. And our job is to walk in his light and therefore be light. And vengeance is not available to us. We forfeited vengeance at the cross when vengeance was forfeited for us. Wow. Well said. Oh, my goodness. Yet that seems to be a major player in this kind of activity that is going on. And, you know, part of the context of, of this whole uh, action, which I, I started to use the word charade, and I don't think that's terribly far from the truth, but the context for all of this would be this uh, investigation that's going on, the January 6th hearings, and that too seems to be nothing uh, of, of a fair treatment of law 
it, it does not seem because they're not even offering any opportunities for the defense to even speak or have a role in that. And that just makes me almost cross-eyed, Dave. I just can't understand it. I, well, I'm, I'm, my head hurts when I think about it. Yeah, and that's because you're a thoughtful person, Mike, and I know your listeners are too. And and this this is causing so many people to simply turn off completely because it's too painful. I mean, we have a lot of work to do every day. It's called getting up, going to work, taking care of our loved ones, getting the kids to school, uh, taking care of elderly parents, paying the bills, getting the groceries, paying for gasoline, which is darn near impossible these days, and all those other things. We're busy people, and we, and plus on top of all that, we have federal, lo- local, and state taxes to pay. We are busy people trying to live life. Politics is only supposed to be a part of what we do. But for people who politics is everything that they do, it's a very different perspective. Now, when it comes to January 6th, this is a problem of multiplied ignorance across all levels. And I'm not going to tell you that I was an expert on the nuances of how electoral votes were to be counted um, before this last challenge. Now, I understand how the Electoral College works. We've built electoral maps for a long, long time. We understand what electors are. We understand the history and the importance of the Electoral College. But when you get down to what happened in the last election of 2020, the first thing you have to understand is that most people have never identified the source of the problem, of the the proper source of what went wrong in that election, and it wasn't voter fraud. It's important, Mike, that we understand that. Hmm. Voter fraud is is, is defined in law, in state laws, when somebody goes in and votes, but it's not them who's voting. In other words, you cast an illegal ballot because it's not you that's casting the ballot, Mm -hmm. or you're casting it in the name of someone else. Voter fraud is when you go in, you try to vote twice, or you try to vote for somebody else. That's voter fraud. That happens every election, and always has, as, and and some people try to get caught, some people try and get away with it, but it is it is a reality. But it it is not. I mean, it's negligible. It is fractional. It is not the reason that Joe Biden won the election. The second level people think is that there was a massive computer fraud uh, in regards to machines, etc. Now, we will always speculate about that possibility because the possibility with electronic kind is always there. Our system is way too complicated. And as long as we continue to think that this is complicated rocket science and create these ridiculous mechanisms for technological counting because people make money selling at the boards of elections, we're always going to be at risk of having the software messed around Mm -hmm. with. And if people have legitimate concerns about that, they should be just as concerned today as they were when Donald Trump lost. And, And we should be continuing to always protect that security. I don't know and can't prove whether that did or didn't happen. So that's going to be an open contest of debate. I can't speak to that because Mm -hmm. I don't have the answers. But what I do know, Mike, with certainty is that laws were changed at the state level to permit people to vote in ways that they had not been permitted to vote to vote in the past. Mail-in ballots, ballot boxes, and uh, no-fault absentee ballots which radically changed the way this election was conducted, moving over 50% of the voting to mail-in processes. And that happened back in April and May during the COVID height of crisis. Mm -hmm. These decisions were made in the states that really mattered 
and those states radically changed their voting be behavior patterns and opened the door for fraud at levels we had never seen before. The kind of fraud where people would be getting live ballots, collecting them for other people, ballot harvesting, et cetera. Now, that was real, and that did happen. And that's that uh, evidence of fraud that happened in that is still there, and and that did happen, right. like you said. Uh, right. But and it happened illegally. We might add before we take this break that we're at that happened without due process. That happened without the laws actually being voted on to make those things, those extra mail-in ballot procedures. That all happened illegally. Is that not right? But yes, and here, here quickly, here's why it was illegal. It, well, you know what? You got to go to break. Let's yeah, go break let's go to break. Let's answer that question when, when yeah. we get back. I'm with Dave Zanotti today. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. While it's always just like a rocket ride when I'm with Dave Zanotti on the line here, and we're talking about things that transpired last night, uh, unbelievable, before our eyes, the former president of the United States is caught up in a raid by the FBI and the Department of Justice. And, um, and I like what uh, Albert Moeller, I saw his uh, headline today from the briefing, he said that if they've got evidence, they better bring it up quickly. And I think that's accurate, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a very noble thing to say. It's where we started. What's in the box? Mm-hmm. Right. And what's, what's in the subpoena? What's in the affidavit? And who made the call? Well, if you can just go ahead and jump back into our discussion, what we were aiming for in our last segment, man. Yes. When we go back to where the election of 2020 broke down, it broke down in April and May when governors began to change elections arbitrarily without state lawmakers approving date changes. When governors began to issue orders and secretary of states commanded that there would be a whole different method of voting in this time without legislative passage. When judges like in Georgia decided based on a 2018 complaint and settlement of a lawsuit with Stacey Abrams, that there would be a new way of voting in Georgia in 2020 without the state legislature being granted the opportunity to approve or disapprove that. That's all violations of the constitution, which says that federal election law has to be done through the legislative process. That's the legal offense that the Trump people did not pursue and did not pursue promptly. And that's why they couldn't get into the federal court system, because they didn't have standing in the right place at the right time on the right point of law. That's where it broke down. Now, as far as January 6th, so see, first off, 
people were offended and, and, and upset and felt like it had gone the wrong way, but they didn't even know where it went wrong. Right? They just watched the outcome of that decision, which looked like one result for the election on the day of the election and the counting, and then comes in this mass amount of voting. And uh, I, <laughs> we wrote a paper on this in advance. I read a paper that was written a year before the election by a, a lawyer that I know on the left who I've worked with in the past. He predicted it from a whole different perspective, but everybody could see what was coming uh, in, in, that, that analyze elections, but no one in the media talked about it. So people got caught blind on this thing. So they felt something was wrong. They went searching for what the wrong was and mm -hmm. they didn't get the right answer. So then we come to the question of the electoral college. Now, there was wrong done. Therefore, because there was wrong done, there is a premise that the electors from the states, based upon those elections, could be could possibly, technically possibly be challenged at the counting mechanism of the Electoral College, which would have happened on January 6th. Mm -hmm, right. But the procedures by which that had to be done according to federal law are very specific. It would have taken a good amount of time in, in the privacy, if you will, of the congressional setting uninterrupted so that there could have been complaints heard, that the vice president could have listened and according to the rule of law written before this, permitted the Congress to investigate whether in fact certain states had submitted electors legally or if in fact the vote that was held for federal election in, in, in 2020 was done under inappropriate legal proceedings. It could have been a conversation. I highly doubt that Congress in a full debate, in a full conversation, would have reached the point of investigation, would have reached the point of overturning those electors. I highly doubt it. Because what I'm telling you is that the Biden campaign won that election fair and square, if for no other reason than they had the faster getaway car. Hmm. They maximized the changes created in this environment. They didn't make them. They maximized them according to the way the changes were made. And the Trump people never caught up with it in time. So the Biden people got away with riding the wave of the change. Mm -hmm. Now, the Congress could have had a full analysis of that and then voted and said, however, we accept the electors. Or however, in Georgia, this was done under court order without the, uh, the, the, the legislature involved, that's the altering of a federal election. Therefore, this election was, was illegally conducted. Therefore, it's got to be done over again. It could have happened. Mm -hmm. It could have happened. Now, let's th now, think about this one. Everybody hold your breath for one second and think about this. The last thing in Donald Trump's interest on January 6th would have been to interrupt that conversation. And that's exactly what the protesters did. They stopped the only hope they had for further discussion by crashing into the Capitol. Yeah. Now, you know what that's called? Stupid. Yeah. Now, but, and, what, and I think some of the people who did the facts, that. You do stupid stuff. I think some of the people who did that were actually protesters. I have no doubt that there were some that were actually at that meeting that might have got caught up in the moment. But don't you think that there were plants in that crowd that maybe even had connections inside the Capitol, that it was it was a, a bit of a, 
uh, a coup, so to speak, where they just kind of took over? Is that possible? Well, first off, I think that the only way to see January 6th is to see it in a single word, which is stupid. The whole thing was stupid. It, 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 the last thing that the people who were upset wanted to have happen, if they actually wanted to have a chance at legal redress to, to inappropriate or illegal electors, was to have the time for Congress to do it, for Mike Pence to do it, what, what, what he did. Or at least that's the only chance they had was to let those proceedings play out uninterrupted. And there were a so lot of conservatives who believed that that kind of turnover was actually going to happen even up to January 6th. At least it was legally possible. Yeah. Now, I doubt it would have happened, but it was legally possible. So when protesters asking for A do everything that, re- that, that denies them A, you have to say, this is stupid behavior because it doesn't make any sense. Now, you could say, well, it was planted behavior. No, probably not. I'm going to tell you, I sincerely doubt whether the entire Trump legal team understood the process well enough to have initiated a strategy that made sense. I don't know what was in their minds, but I got to tell you, there's a lot of stupid to go around that day. Mm -hmm. It was real stupid for the Capitol Police to put up bicycle racks. It was real stupid to have denied the National Guard when they saw the size of the crowds that were coming, the size of the crowds that day, uh, to not be there. There, there, It was stupid. There there was plenty, plenty, plenty stupid to go around. But let's remember one thing about January 6th. The only person that died as a result of those that what happened that day, the person that died that day was an innocent, unarmed protester who was killed by a Capitol Police person who shot them when they were unarmed. Ashley Babbitt. Now, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. That's the greatest loss of January 6th. Yes. Everything else was broken glass and just plain stupid. Hmm. So there's no defense for it. None. Zero. Absolutely no defense. Period. Now, the smart thing to do is to call it what it was and move on. Because nobody won. Everybody lost. Yeah. Well, you have a hard time telling the Biden administration that one, huh? (laughs) Well, and you have a hard time telling some of the Trump people the same because they haven't done their homework. And they only listen to the siloed information that they're getting from their fake news sources. Mike, there is as much fake news on the right as there is on the left. And by fake news, I mean news that is written by partisan organizations, partisan funding sources who masquerade online like they're news sources who are just websites that propagandize their position and try to get you to clickbait on, to send it to all your friends, to create the next conspiracy theory. And this happens equally across the boards. And there are political consultants making millions of dollars uh, exercising their will over our emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's easy and it's fast, but it's subject to grave error. It takes hard work to understand the laws, the histories, and it takes patience. So no, we're not in a crisis, a constitutional crisis. Our adolescence as a country is showing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're not that old as countries go. And we have had the adolescent prosperity of the last hundred years. And now we act like we're entitled to whatever we want just because we wake up in the morning in America. And that's not reality. Mm-hmm. And so now things are getting really tough, Mike, and and they're going to be tough for a while. Now, 
the outcome of all of this is going to be fun to watch. I'm sorry to use that term, but it is going to be, I'm sorry, it's going to be fun to watch how all of these people who've gotten way out over their skis are going to try to figure out now, how do we back this thing up? Mm -hmm. right, it's going to be hard, <laughs> hard to know and hard to say. But my closing thought with you is that we're still being stupid in this regard. This is all about, uh, America is all about who controls Congress, not about who controls the White House. And right now, the left knows that. They are far more committed to controlling the House and the Senate than anything else. Everything right now, the best thing for the radical progressive left to control the House and the Senate is to keep controversy about Donald Trump on the front page of every newspaper. Yep. Because controversy about Trump equates to voter suppression of Republican votes. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats only want control of the House and the Senate. That's where all the power is. They love it when conservatives focus on the White House because that gives the left the chance to control all the laws, all the courts, and all the money. And there's no and greater evidence. Every time. There's no greater evidence of that than what happened in Georgia with a special election when uh, so many people, so many votes that voted for Trump in 20. Uh, 2020, uh, in that special election in 21, they didn't. They didn't show back up again. And, you know, Schumer's words, let's, uh, let's take Georgia and change the world. That's shockingly scary right now, isn't it? Well, they're getting their way. They've got 87,000 new IRS agents. They've got gasoline prices off the charts. They've got global warming policies to jam down our yeah. throats to, to cripple fossil fuels and inexpensive organic energy in America. Uh, there is, a, they're, they're having their sway upon public policy and they're laughing all the way to the bank, Mike, because they've got us chasing the flashing lights of Donald Trump's personality. I'm not saying people should, don't, I'm not, I'm not a Donald Trump fan, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being one. I'm just saying they've got us chasing the wrong stuff while they're governing. And they're doing it through the Congress. Most important decision that we've got as American citizens is who runs the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we have only a little bit of time now between now and the midterms to really uh, get involved in that. And it's tough right now. This is something. So want to leave with hope. You know, I'm so grateful. I, I go back to that Psalm 73 that you brought up earlier. That's one of my favorite chapters. And I love it when the psalmist said, I was, I was like a brutish person before you until I saw and discerned the end. And he went into the sanctuary, into the house of God, and then God set his mind straight and he saw things as they were. That's a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful picture. That's what we need. We need to spend time with God and let's... Let's believe God and, and let's get busy. Those are two things that have, they've got to happen. They, they can't be mutually exclusive, right? Right, Mike. And what we're proposing is simple. We need constitutional free agents that will protect the interests of the country before party, principle over party ever. The, the scripture says, those who are far from you, the Lord, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Yes. He is the one who handles righteousness, justice, and kindness on earth every day. Our job is to be light walking in his light. I love it. 
We're out of time. Dave, thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your prayers and for uh, teaching us all as you do every day on the public square. Let's talk again soon, Mike. Thank you. Okay. Dave Zanotti from the American Policy Roundtable. That's all of our time. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Afternoons with Mike.